Welcome, oh. Jacob Israel. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now I, I was playing an old show. Hold the, uh, on, folks. What should we call Let it? Let me uh, kill this instead of the song. race at the hands of the medical mafia. <laughs> medical that mafia. That is going on today. Stop that. That's actually a replay of the last show <laughs> we did there. Genesis 37. Okay. That's what I get for being so busy. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. So, anyway... Yeah, welcome back, folks. Uh, Pastor Eli here and Dan from Georgia, and we're going to be doing chapter 38 of Genesis today, which is going to include, well, it's uh, the story of Judah, and uh, well, let me t quickly look at the text here. Uh, what's her name? Is her name given? No, I guess, uh, oh yeah, her, her name uh well, his name, the father, uh, was Hira, H-I-R-A-H. -H. And then Judah went and married his daughter, but she was a Canaanite. And, uh, and then we had Tamar, who had to uh, play the whore in order to get impregnated and bear Ferez and Zerah. I know this is, that sounds like a soap opera, doesn't it? <laughs> Damn it. it does. Yeah, a lot of these chapters in, in the Bible sound like soap operas. But uh, this is actually a, a, a great story for television, right? It's got race mixing, uh, it's got hatred, anger, <laughs> you know, uh, another woman, right? It's got all this really good plot stuff, right? But uh, they'll never do this because it's biblical. Anyway, so the story of Judah and Tamar, Genesis 38.1. I'll turn it over to you. Okay, <clears throat> chapter 38. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite, whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. And he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Er. Okay, yeah, her <clears throat> name is given. It's Shua. S-H-U-A-S. -S. <clears throat> what this means, Shua, uh, just uh, simply says a name. That's all, no definition of the word. Okay, back to you. Verse 4, and she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet conceived, again conceived and bare a son, and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chezib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for her heir, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And heir, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of Yahweh, and Yahweh slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. 
And the thing which he did displeased Yahweh, wherefore he slew him also. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house, till Shelah, my son, be grown. For he said, Lest peradventure he die also, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. And in the okay. process of time... Yeah, okay, let me just interrupt. Uh, so who is Tamar? There's very little information given uh, to us about her. But more than likely, she was an uh, Aramean slash Syrian, just like the other wives uh, of uh, you know, of uh, you know, Isaac, Abraham, and uh, and Jacob, right? So the chances are that's where her territory was, and uh, she was obviously a Shemite. Okay, mm-hmm. she had to be a Shemite, and there's absolutely no doubt about the fact that she's a Shemite, but. Uh, probably living not too far from Judah. So, uh, you know, the bloodline has to be preserved in, in purity, and that, that's the case here, as Tamar is indeed a Shemite and probably a Syrian. Back to you. Verse 12, <clears throat> And in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shearers to Timnath, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her, and covered her with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given unto him to wife. Okay, so she was hoping to fulfill uh, Judah's expectations, but I just want to interject here. Uh, many of the Israelite men, especially, uh, did have so-called friends of non-Israelite stock, okay? And, uh, and the Israelites were doing commerce with non-Israelites, including uh, non-Shemites and even non-Adamites. And there's, there's no law prohibiting uh, commercial intercourse with other nations, however, the uh, the you know the purity laws, the racial purity laws, forbid intermarriage. Absolutely forbid intermarriage. Okay, so, but uh, it's not advisable for us to have friends and have uh, you know strong relationships with people who are not of our race. And this shows us why. <laughs> okay. There's, I don't know, know of any prohibition in Scripture that says we cannot associate with non-Adamites, but we certainly shouldn't make a habit of it, and we uh, certainly shouldn't li- uh, ha- invite them over to our house and vice versa, okay? That, that's, uh, uh, that much we can glean from Scripture, I'm, I'm pretty certain. Okay, back to you. <clears throat> Verse 15, when Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot, because she had covered her face. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me, that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, Will thou give me a pledge till thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet and thy bracelets and thy staff that is in thy hand. <laughs> That's that's incredible, you know the the, the royal signet uh, bracelet and <clears throat> staff, which is an you know, an incredible amount of pledge, until she gets that uh, that kid from the flock. It's, uh, the fact that <laughs> Judah actually gave all that up for her to hold, uh, you know, is amazing because he didn't know her. She could have run off with all that stuff and never never come back, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, that's just this is was he drunk? When he did this, he could have been. He could have been. Okay. And he gave it to her and came in unto her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away and laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. But he found her not. Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he he went to Las Vegas, uh, 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 met a prostitute, uh, gave her all this stuff. She agreed to come back, and 
And she was gone. <laughs> right? <laughs> like I said, this is a soap opera. It should be a daily soap opera uh, plot. Go ahead. Verse 21, then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said that there was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, let her take it, let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. And it came to pass about three came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter in law, has played the harlot. And also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth, and let her be burnt. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet and bracelets and staff? And Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. Okay, so, all right, so she was more righteous than he was, uh, this obvious, this whole thing was arranged by Yahweh that she would be impregnated by Judah and not by some Canaanite. Okay, so uh, I mean, this is another close call. Our race has had many close calls, uh, starting with uh, Noah and the flood. Only eight of our people survived that and uh, grew to be a multitude. And here's another uh, really close call if uh, Judah. Had uh, had not impregnated Tamar, uh, let's say by accident, then the Messiah could not have been born, okay, or some other seed line. But it had to come through Judah because it was prophesied that it would. You know, he was the uh, he was the tribe of the uh, what do you call it the the dynasty, and so it had to come through Judah. Judah. Well, if if this didn't work, then Yahweh would have you know found another woman. I'm sure. But uh, again, it's a close call for the for the genealogy. In this case, the genealogy of uh, Yahshua Messiah. Okay, back to you. Verse twenty-seven. <clears throat> and it came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand, and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, "This came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold. His brother came out, and she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Perez. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. Okay, so there's all these incidents of twins, male twins uh, within the wombs of the various Israelite women, you know, starting with Eve, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, Cain and Abel, and then uh, here we have, uh, oh, yeah, then we had Jacob and Esau, and here we have Zerah and Perez uh, being twins that somehow don't get along after being born, in every case. But this this incident was not quite as bad as the previous two, because Cain was the product of uh, a dual insemination. And uh, Esau, although I haven't found any evidence that Esau could could have been a product of a dual insemination, uh, you know, a, a double pregnancy by two different males, which does happen, uh, that uh, apparently Esau was just uh, a, a an evil white guy, <laughs> right? He just turned out mm -hmm. bad. And, uh, and in this case, here we just have a couple of bro twin brothers who uh, don't get along and, uh, <clears throat> you know, don't want to live with each other, and they went their separate ways. You know, not necessarily a, uh, you know, a bad blood situation, but just but Zerub thinking, well, he deserves to be the inheritor of the kingdom because he he, he put his hand out first, but uh, Pharaoh's whole body came out first. So I think most people would agree that Pharaoh <laughs> is the older son, okay, the inheritance of the older son. So uh, let's turn now uh, because this is 
the Bible doesn't really go much further into this. It, it just gives a couple of uh, <clears throat> passages of Zara's uh, offspring uh, in, in a couple of chapters in in, uh, in the Bible in the Old Testament, but very little information about Zara. So we have to turn to the secular record to find out what happened to Zara. And so we're going to switch to an article in the Ensign Message, the uh, entitled. The Hated Red Hand by Bill McMurdo. And I'll put the link into the chat room here. And uh, if you'll begin reading, it's a very interesting story about <clears throat> the Scarlet Thread of Ireland, uh, the Red Hand of Ulster, which is the uh, genealogy of Zarajuna. Okay? All right. <clears throat> there is no symbol more vilified and despised in this United Kingdom than the Red Hand of Ulster flag. Indeed, at time of writing, it has come to my attention that this flag is so detested by the Scottish Parliament that to wave or display this flag in public could constitute an offense under their new anti-sectarianism legislation. This is no accident, for the Red Hand of Ulster is the key to understanding the purpose of God to destroy Babylon in these momentous times. Therefore, Babylon is doing all in its power to wipe out this most obnoxious to them, symbol. <clears throat> British Israel students among my readers will know that the red hand is the symbol of the Zara line from Judah, reunited in the purpose of God with the Pharaoh's line of the Davidic monarchy through the marriage of Milesius the Haremon of the Zara line with David's descendant of Tiatefi of the Pharaoh's line in Ireland. This Harriman was a king of the scarlet thread branch of Judah, and his genealogy can be easily proved through study. The symbol of this branch of Judah is the red hand, symbolizing the scarlet thread placed round the wrist of Zerah by the midwife. See Genesis chapter 38. The red hand also speaks of the bloody hand of a covenant god. Covenants in ancient times were made by cutting the hand or wrist of both parties and then they would clasp hands, thus mingling the blood. Hence, a covenant partner would become your blood brother. It is from this practice of cutting covenant that we get the handshake of friendship, like so many other aspects of covenant. This has become obscured to modern man. This yeah. is why... And they weren't wearing face masks either. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, no, of course, this is forbidden. We're not to cut ourselves. But nevertheless, you know, as our people spread out and uh, became more secular or more pagan, they, they ignored a lot of these uh, biblical passages that forbid cutting ourselves, <laughs> puncturing ourselves. Of course, uh, the vast majority of uh, non-aware Israelites, which means white people, Israelites who don't know they're Israelites, they just participate in secular rituals without realizing that most of what they're doing is forbidden in Scripture. Yeah. <clears throat> this is why British soldiers were famous for centuries as redcoats, because they took oath to the British monarchs, who are descended from the Scarlet Thread line. It is interesting how Hollywood has depicted British redcoats as arrogant, murderous tyrants in the recent films, such as Last of the Mohicans and The Patriot. Hatred for the Scarlet Branch is perhaps more intense than it has ever been from God-haters. This ancestry of our monarchs also explains the scarlet thread around official documents, the famous red tape. The business of the crown is the business of heaven. Okay, well, the the, uh, the bad reputation of the British soldiers is deserved, you know, because here in America, <clears throat> they went around burning down our churches, <laughs> right, and uh, imprisoning people who didn't want to live under the thrall of the British kings, you know, who were basically taxing the colonists to death and forbidding us to use our own money. So, and the Redcoats soldiers were employed to enforce all of this stuff. So, uh, yeah, arrogant. Uh, I think that's deserved because they were in the wrong when they were doing that on behalf of their tyrannical kings, right? So, but of course, you know, soldiers take orders, and uh, I had to do the same when I was in Vietnam, although when I was given an order that I didn't think was morally correct, I would object. And uh, there's no way 
me being part of a military group that I suspend my moral attitude, <laughs> right? But many of these soldiers do, and because they, they fear the repercussions of not obeying orders. Back to you. <clears throat> it should be noted that the symbol of the Ferris line, i.e. the Davidic emblem which our royal family bears, is, of course, the royal harp of David, which is the national symbol of Ireland. Also, the royal family bears the standard of Judah, which is the lion. This lion emblem is often seen in rampant form, as in the lion rampant of Scotland, which is the royal standard of Scotland. And that means when that it, it's hind legs ready to pounce rampant. When it is in this form, it is red in color, symbolizing the lion of the tribe of Judah. This speaks of the blood-drenched body of the Savior on the cross and also of his vesture dipped in blood as he rides at the hand of heaven's armies in Revelation 19. I love the lion figure at Waterloo, where the Lion of Judah has his foot on the whole world, signifying the absolute dominion of King Jesus on the throne of heaven and the earthly dominion of the occupant of the throne of David in Britain. It is absolutely vital that you understand that God's purpose for this nation is a godly monarch. Through such a king or queen, he can extend his dominion in the earth. Oh, for a monarch who, like Queen Victoria, would point to the Bible and say, there is the secret of Britain's greatness. Now, that's interesting. Obviously, the British-Israel movement has retains high hopes for the monarchy, but uh, I, I can't remember the last monarch that I would consider good, <laughs> right? Not even mm-hmm. Queen Victoria, because Queen Victoria ushered in the age of British imperialism, which uh, you know did not benefit any of the nations. Although to, to some extent, you could say when the British went to India, they put an end to the widow-burning ritual and, if, and a few other things. They brought... Uh, railroads and and modern technology to places but this was all done and all corrupted by by the jewish banksters who in the wake of the british army established their money lending practices and their exploitation of the citizens of those countries and of course the british empire oppressed the boers horribly i mean really horribly uh, committing genocide against the white boar people who are of the other tribe of, of, of Judah, Pharaohs, descended through Pharaohs. Uh, no, I can't accept the idea that Victoria was a, a good monarch. No way. And certainly not King George, and, nor Queen Elizabeth, or any other uh, others in between. The, the, the bloodline of the, uh, uh, the uh, monarchies has been not corrupted necessarily in, in its DNA, although there are people who argue that as well, but certainly none of these people have lived up to uh, uh, ruling on the, according to the principles of Yahweh's law. Uh, very, very few, uh, if any, actually. Okay, There were benef- uh, beneficent uh, uh, rulers in Britain. Uh, king Alfred the Great would be the best example of a, a British king, of a, he was of Saxon heritage, who ruled according to Yahweh's laws, but there were very, very few, very sparse. So I, I wouldn't go so far. So, uh, and well, whether or not Queen Elizabeth II has a, an heir remains to be seen, but I think that we'll experience a second coming before we'll find that out. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, this is the nature of the British-Israel propaganda, to suggest, well, this uh, this monarchy is a really great thing for the world. No, it's not. <laughs> they haven't lived up to Yahweh's law. That's the problem. Back to you. <clears throat> Evil Republicans in Northern Ireland are doing everything they can to obliterate this symbol of the red hand from Ulster. Yes, they also had the red hand in some of their flags. But the thing they hate about the red hand of Ulster is that it is topped by the British crown. But God has a glorious purpose in Ireland, not just the north, but the south also. Okay, so uh, the problem here is that the uh, Irish people were nearly obliterated by the British crown thanks to the Jew banksters when they took advantage of you know, what's called the potato famine was actually uh, the theft 
of the goods uh, created by the Irish people and uh, impoverishing them and actually starving them to death. So I don't blame the Republicans for hating the British crown, right? I don't blame them at all. That's actually what created the influx of Irish people here to America, that oppressive and genocidal episode called the potato famine. No, it was a deliberate plan of genocide and disenfranchisement by by the crown thanks to the Jewish banksters, okay? So, uh, yeah, the... Uh, this is the ensign message, and they tend to you know, paint, put a silver lining around all these things, where even in Scripture, the, the vast majority of our kings were evil. Was, uh, we were hard-pressed to, to find a good king. And Yahweh prophesied that to be the case when the Israelites wanted to have a king in the days of uh, the prophets and, and King David. And Samuel prophesied that uh, King David would have a, a perpetual throne that would never end until the second coming. Well, the the problem was uh, your kings will oppress you. <laughs> yeah, we said uh, you, you want a king. Well, th- th- you're not going to have a good time with these kings. Uh, I'm warning you. And uh, that warning has f- been fulfilled. All right, back to you. I think it's, the problem is that power just goes to people's head. Yeah, that's for sure. You know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> especially with the, especially when you have a signet a, a staff <laughs> yeah and, and what was the other thing <laughs> i forget that, that, that judah had all right so yeah it goes to your head no doubt mm-hmm. continue with the article note that they shall fear the lord's name from the west ireland is west of britain faithful protestants loyal to the british crown still display the red hand on that island also, people shall fear his glory from the rising of the sun. Now, the sun rises in the east, does it not? So what sun is rising in the west? This is actually a wordplay because one of the two meanings of the name Zara is sunrise. Ah, interesting. So, okay. so from Zara in the west, people will fear the name of the Lord and the glory of God. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and Zara loyalists in Northern Ireland will tell you that they are living in this right now, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. What standard is this? The bloody red hand of a covenant-keeping God. And in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 22, this is from the New King James Version, it says, Behold, I will lift up my hand in an oath to the nations, i.e. a bloody hand, and set up my standard for the peoples. They shall bring your sons in their arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Here we see that God raises the standard of the bloody hand and see what happens. Revival? No wonder our enemies want to wipe out, wipe out the standard of God in the earth. Yeah. Now, if yeah, you believe... Uh, yeah, excuse me. Mary in the chat room says that uh, her ancestors were oppressed by that. Now, here's a, an, an interesting scenario again. The Our... Our ancestors had many internecine battles amongst each other. And here's just another example of Zara Judah being oppressed by, well, actually, Zara Judah. <laughs> you know, because the British throne is a combination of both Zara and Ferez. With, uh, it's hard to say, you know, you really have to do a close check of the genealogy. But again, there's an internecine, two brothers fighting against each other, trying to kill each other for material gain. Among our own people, we don't have to blame the Jews for that, okay? It's uh, because when uh, when our race fell in Genesis 3.15, there, uh, the Holy Spirit was removed from us, and we became mortal, and uh, we have all the fallibilities of other mortal you know, human beings, and we're, we're no better off than, than they are, except we have all these promises if we obey his law. So we, we're no better than them if we don't obey his law. We become just like other mortals. Back to you. Now, if you believe that the red hand symbolizes hatred, bigotry, and intolerance, go get on your face in repentance for listening to the enemy's lies and propaganda. It actually symbolizes liberty, victory, and freedom for mankind because it is the sign of a covenant-keeping God and his dominion in the earth. 
The following verse in Isaiah 49 tells us that kings and queens will assist the revival and will bow down to those who bear the standard of God, i.e. the bloody red hand. The word used in Isaiah 59:19 for standard means to cause to flee or scatter. This reminds us of the name Je Jezreel, where Jezebel was slain. Our God will destroy the harlot system of Babylon in the place of Jezreel. The name Jezreel, meaning God sows or God scatters, is derived from the word Zerah, meaning a seed. The secondary meaning of the proper name Zerah is seed, or as Young translates, sprout. So the red hand of the scarlet branch of Zerah is to be God's instrument for the destruction of Babylon in the earth. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> That's a little, uh, you know, I think he's stretching the meaning of these pro prophecies a little bit here. But uh, there's always hopium, right? Hopium for Zerah. Yeah. This is good news for those still loyal to the red hand in Ulster. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen. Hebrew Zarak upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and it certainly is, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, yeah. and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings and kings to the brightness of your rising. And this is Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, the King James Version. Okay. Reading on... Yeah, I, I have had occasion to exchange emails with uh, Bill McMurdo. And, uh, you know, he's a doctrinaire British Israelite uh, believing that the Jews, they actually believes, or at least he teaches. I don't know to what extent these people really believe what they teach, but they're, uh, you know, joined at the hip to the Jewish contingent in Britain. And so they can't offend them. So they teach this you know, a absolutely false doctrine that the Jews are descended from the tribe of Judah. So are, where, show me where the Jewish people in Britain are descended from either Pharez or Zerah. Show They're me. Not. Yeah. Okay. They have to know it's a lie, but it's propaganda they have to employ because the Rothschilds uh, are t in total charge of Britain and they dare not offend the Rothschilds. Back to you. <clears throat> Reading on from these verses, you will see almost unspeakable blessing in the whole earth for the people of God, flowing from the Lord rising in glory over his people. It is no coincidence that the Hebrew word for rising here is the very name of the scarlet thread son of Judah by Tamar. Interesting. Nice. Nor is it a coincidence that behind the red hand on Ulster's flag is the star emblem, symbolizing the sunburst of Zerah. Far from being... Far from this being a symbol of hate and division, it is the very embodiment of love and unity. For unto those who fear his name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing, not pain, not bigotry, not hate in his wings. If we could just get over hating each other, the 12 tribes hating each other <laughs> yeah. and killing each other, maybe there would be peace and love and unity. Maybe. You know, we blame Jews for a lot, and certainly they are to blame, but we have to look in the mirror at ourselves yes, that's right. as well. Yeah. <clears throat> the red hand of our covenant God is the emblem that unites, not divides. It is the symbol of his shedding his blood to cleanse, purify, heal, and liberate his people. In other words, it is the symbol of the Lord, our Redeemer, whose blood has purchased us. Only God-haters could despise this glorious symbol. That's Only correct. enemies of the yeah. Redeemer could despise the standard of redemption he has raised. Only enemies would refuse the blood-stained hand of the Savior stretched out in forgiveness. I want to bring to your attention the fact that the Vatican fears an ancient prophecy which says that when Ireland fails, the Vatican will fail. <laughs> well, that is... I think Ireland has already failed, <laughs> and so I, has the I Vatican. So too. Yeah. <clears throat> That is, when popery is smashed in Ireland, then Babylon itself will fall. It is evident that the place of the red hand is the place of Jezreel, where God will destroy that bloody Jezreel 
which has held Ireland's sons and daughters in bondage for centuries. As the book Aaron's Blood Royal clearly puts forth, many of the Irish people are clearly identified as being descended from the Milesian kings, making them descendants of Judah. Its author, an Irish historian, claims that this information about the royal aristocratic descent of the Irish has been deliberately suppressed by nationalists and Republicans. Oh, absolutely. Well, Mile was a, uh, a Scythian king, mm-hmm. which means he was an Israelite, and had to be from uh, Pharaoh's Judah. And so he would have settled in, uh, you know, in Ireland. I think he married Scotta. Anyway, the, the two uh, daughters of Zedekiah, Scotta and T, Tiatefi, uh, well, but, but Scotta didn't make it to Ireland, only T. Tuffy made it to Ireland. But nevertheless, uh, be, between those two bloodlines, we definitely have Sarah and Ferris in Ireland, Scotland, Scotland Britain, etc., you know, because the, the royal throne was ultimately moved to Britain. Back to you. <clears throat> it is interesting, however, that it serves Rome's interest for the Irish to see themselves as thick, illiterate peasants and not as the seed royal of kings and queens. They have adopted the same policy in Scotland, which became the seedbed of Catholic socialist thinking. This mindset is that we are the downtrodden peasants ruled over by our English masters. Accepting this poison has reduced Scotland from the most dominion-oriented nation on earth to a pathetic, introverted country populated by inferior-minded no-hopers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that describes white people in general today, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many Scottish people are, of course, of Irish and Ulster descent, making them Judites also. The good news is that Babylon is coming down, and the Celtic nations are where God is going to ignite the fears that will burn it to the ground. It ought to be of momentous importance to all of my readers that the Vatican is acutely aware of this, and much, if not all, of its machinations are aimed at hindering or preventing this awesome day. Yeah, and the Vatican is promoting communism Every single speech that any pope gives, it says, oh, we white people need to share our wealth with non-whites because they're poor, and but nobody asks why are they poor, right? And no matter how much we give them, they stay poor. Mm-hmm. I, for one, am quite happy to come into agreement with the Vatican on this, that when Ireland fails, it will bring all of the popery and popedom down with it. In that day, the symbol of the red hand will unite the Irish peoples in the liberty and freedom of the glorious gospel. Then the barricades really will come down, not only of bricks and steel, but of division and hatred. Then the persecuted people of Northern Ireland will see the judgment of God upon their enemies. Those enemies are not flesh and blood, but systems which hold men in the bondage of religion. Now, I could tell you some of the, the things that will happen in that day, but you would think I was nuts. Yeah, I would. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of hopium in this passage. I, I could only wish what he was saying would come to pass. But uh, the problem is that, you know, well, when was this written? You Because know, uh, we have to think in terms of the lockdown and COVID and everything that's going on today. I don't see the white race and even the the two branches of Judah in Britain uniting. I don't see that. None of them are aware of who they are. Very, very few people. Some The people in the British Israel movement are aware that they are Israelites. I'm glad he used the word uh, in a previous paragraph. Many Scottish people are, of course, of Irish and Ulster descent, making them Judahites not Jews, <laughs> he used the correct word there, making them Judahites also. But this, there's a lot of hopium in this passage that uh, I don't see our people uniting until the second coming. And, uh, and it's only going to be a, a select few who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb at the second coming. And uh, any person who believes that the Jews are one of the 12 tribes is totally deluded and I don't think we'll qualify as part of the remnant, uh, as part of 144,000 that will become the bride of Christ. I just don't see that, okay? Maybe in his time when this was written, let's see if I can find a date on here. Yeah, no date. So this was probably written 20, maybe even 30 years ago. 
So uh, the world has really changed in all of these great hopes that he's expressing here. And I don't fault him for expressing these great hopes, but I don't see any of this coming to pass today. I don't see it. Back to you. You still Hello? there? Yeah. Hello? Uh, yeah. Hey, you're... you just blanked out all of a sudden. Okay. Am I back? Yeah, you're you're good now. Okay. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we're just the broadcaster has been uh, you know frumpy lately. It uh, just drops out. I may have to uh, you know uh, eliminate and, and re-download. I had all kinds of problems last night as well. All right. Uh, I guess we're back on the air. So, okay. Yeah. Please continue. Okay. For now, it is important to understand that this symbol of our covenant God, the red hand of Ulster, is the very thing our enemies hate the most. For them, it would be a day of triumph to see it removed from our midst. This will never happen because the symbol is the very emblem of that which will crush the enemies of this nation and their wicked plans. The blood covenant of Jehovah God made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That is the new covenant made in the body and blood of Christ Jesus. Ask yourself this one question. Why is the red hand so hated? Because it stands for this covenant. Moreover, why are those who boldly display this standard so hated? Because they stand for this covenant. Listen, I don't care how many paramilitary organizations or football supporters take this symbol and misappropriate it. I am not misappropriating it, and I am not ashamed of it. I have Zara blood flowing in my veins as my family claims descent from Harriman. I would So I would never deny my ancestry. And I speak not only of flesh and blood either. I am the blood-washed child of Almighty God who extended his bloody hand to me in covenant friendship. This covenant God made covenant with my ancestor David that he would never lack a man to sit on the throne and that his seed would endure forever. Also that David's seed would be innumerable. See Psalms 89:36 and Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 20 through 22. Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to undo the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, or the new covenant. You would have more chance of stopping day and night from happening than breaking the invincible word of God. So God's people and God's kingdom agenda will outlast every pretender. And the vilified, hated, demonized, ostracized symbol of this covenant will outlast its enemies. The red hand will fly over the graves of all who oppose it. Nowhere more proudly than in the land in which it's still held dear. Well, it's interesting that, well, first of all, the red hand of Ulster and the scarlet thread symbols, as he says, are, are demeaned everywhere. And even by the uh, other Israelites in Britain, right? So uh, in the interim, since this article was written, and today Britain has become so multiculti. Uh, the, the, Britain has its share of socialists and communists and Jews, all of who would stand totally opposed to what uh, was being said here. So again, I, I don't see any of this coming to pass. Uh, our people need to unify uh, as a race according to God's commandments, Revelation twelve seventeen, and you know, and and all of our symbols, all of the symbols of our heritage. We need to display all of them proudly, and it's not just this one symbol, the redhead, but all of the all twelve tribes, the symbols of our tribes, of uh, you know Saxondom, etc. And that's the other thing uh, that the British Israelites uh, do wrong. They they say that the Germans are Assyrians. No, the Germans are Judah, and other tribes of Israel. So why do they why do they demean the Germans? By the way. King Alfred the Great was a Saxon. <laughs> George III was a German. Queen Victoria was a German. And yet they insist that the Germans are Assyrians. Yeah, there are so many contradictions in what they teach. You know, it, it's crazy. But, you know, so, but they, what they do is they uh, elevate the British throne over the rest of the 12 tribes. And it ain't working that way. It ain't working that way. Because the British throne has not obeyed the the laws of Yahweh and therefore does not deserve to be elevated. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. Okay? (laughs) All right? 
Okay, yeah, and then he refers to in the bottom, well, God bless Ulster, there's a prayer here from, oh, from Habakkuk, that's very nice. Yeah, so let's go ahead and finish this article. Uh, I thought we had finished it. Oh, well, there's, uh, yeah, well, there's a, 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 a blessing prayer. I don't think you read through that. Oh, God bless okay. Ulster. Okay. Yeah. God bless Ulster and God bless the red hand of Ulster. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays dashing from his hand, and there was his power hidden. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Okay, well, that's interesting. I never knew that the name of Zerah meant sunrise. That, that's very interesting, and uh, that's something we need to keep in mind. Very good. And then he mentions here uh, J.H. Allen's book, Judah's Scepter and Joseph's Birthright, which is an absolutely fantastic book. Everybody should read that book. And uh, a lot of these books that are mentioned in this article, you can go online, you know, get them from booksellers, get them used or new. Just about everybody will have these Israelite identity books available. It's just that nobody knows about them because nobody promotes them, <laughs> right? So, again, we, we are in the background. Our, our people, our race are working quietly in the background until the, the shadow of the, the Jewish moneylenders is finally removed. Uh, the only thing I can say, Dan, uh, that would be hopeful is that because of the lockdown and because of COVID-19, a lot of our people are getting angry and a lot of people are asking questions. And I saw even when I was in Florida for the wedding that uh, people are beginning to say, okay, uh, enough is enough. And of course, in Florida, the lockdown was uh, lifted and never lasted there for very long. Uh, Face masks are not required by the state of Florida, thanks to Governor DeSantis. However, the corporations still mandate it. So if you go to a corporate store or corporate restaurant, they're going to ask you to wear a mask. Now, if the business is locally owned, privately owned, they, they still have the staff wearing masks. But everywhere I went, there was no mask mandate for any individual customer, period. Not, yeah, not, that's... Yeah, okay, That's go ahead. true. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, um, there are still a lot of people here wearing masks when you go to a store or a grocery store or, let's say, Walmart or Publix or wherever. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of these businesses are just have these signs up to cover their themselves. Right, sure. Um, you know. But they don't need they, to. No, not, no, they not, don't need to. Yeah. But it's corporate orders. You know, who, who owns the corporation, <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. I mean, these giant corporations are all joined together. The world is, has become one giant corporation, including Big Pharma, right? Mm-hmm. It's not uh, what Eisenhower warned us about, the military-industrial complex, but it's now the military-industrial, media, media, medical, <laughs> chemical, mm-hmm. and you can add a few other corporations to the mix. They're all controlled by the Rothschilds. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's Mystery Babylon. And unless and until you understand that the Jews control our society through these corporations, you do not get the prophecies of the book of Revelation. And that includes, I'm sorry to say, that includes the British throne. Mystery okay. Babylon. Yep. Mystery that's Babylon. Who's, that's who's running the world today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of these masks, you know, when I go when I go back to Georgia, uh, I, I go in a store and I'll see maybe 50% of the customers in a store not wearing masks. Right. But down here, but down in Florida, when you go to a store, I'm pretty much the only one who doesn't wear a mask. I mean, right. everybody's still wearing them. Yeah, well, and, it, yeah, it depends on where you go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the corporate mandates. That, well, now, here in Chicago, you, you will not even be allowed to go into a store, let's say Menards or Home Depot, unless you're wearing a mask. That's not true of other states. You know, and, and, right. and the, in the countryside, it's not true either. In the smaller towns, people are more mm-hmm. relaxed about it. But in the big cities... You know, in the north, it's it's strictly enforced, so they they may throw you out 
if you don't put on your mask. So you have to take that risk and then find another place to get what you need. Have yeah. you tried going to many stores without a mask on? Or? Well, I, I wear a mask, but I just pull it down beneath my nose so I can breathe. And yeah. hardly anybody objects to that. You know, only two mm-hmm. people so far have objected to that, and they're both women who, who were customers in the store. Really? Yeah. What did they say to you? Oh, you're not wearing you're not wearing mask properly. So I just turn around and walk away. All right. <laughs> now I've so. never had anyone say anything to me about not wearing a mask at all. Okay. But I, I think it's I don't know. I, I think there's a difference between. People in the north and people in the south, I think we're a little more laid back down here than right. Yeah, people that's for up sure. north are, are more hardcore about, you know, following rules and regulations, you know, mm-hmm. and especially more laid back in Georgia than even yeah. down here in Florida. And I think that's because there's so many people from up north who've moved to Florida. That's right. So, <laughs> right <laughs> no right. offense to, to people up north, but it's yeah. just there is a difference in the way people up north act and the way. Right. And a lot of those, yeah, a lot of those people from the north who've moved south are uh, people who worked for big corporations like General Motors, Ford, Mm -hmm. you name it. You know, and so they bring their, you know, their culture with them. Although once they get to Florida, and especially since they're retired and they they buy a houseboat (laughs) or a pontoon, uh, they get more relaxed in their attitude. And uh, I, I talked to several corporate people while I was down here. And they say, yeah, there's a huge problem. And they really hate what's going on in the corporations in terms of women, not necessarily, well, women and blacks, falsely accusing men in these corporations of harassment and discrimination because these feminists and blacks do this deliberately as a, uh, as a means of undermining the system. And, uh, you know, so they get this constantly. And I talked to a guy who was, you know, because he was on the houseboat that I was on for, for a day, that uh, for a few hours. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was accused of discrimination by a white woman. Uh, claim, I don't know, he didn't give any details whether she, she accused him of sexual harassment. But I think it was just he would not promote her because she was a woman. That's the claim she made. And uh, he said... He, the, he, There was an investigation, 40 or 50 witnesses testified on his behalf. So here is a corporation having to go through this rigmarole to accommodate an angry lesbian or an angry feminist uh, who has nothing but false allegations. This is what our country is going through because of liberalism, feminism, communism, Judaism, etc., Okay, I mean, when will our people get sick and tired of this enough to simply join us in demanding an overthrow of this system? Okay, maybe mm-hmm. that'll happen. I'm hoping that'll happen. All right, I but, have my doubts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hopium. That's my personal hopium. Hopium. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, we have a few minutes left. Let's go into Genesis chapter 39. Joseph. Oh, this is an interesting episode. Now, this is soap opera stuff, folks. Over to you, Dan. All right. Chapter 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And Yahweh was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that Yahweh was with him and that Yahweh made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him an overseer of his house, and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him an overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that Yahweh blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of Yahweh was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. So the Pharaoh went to Florida <laughs> to, live, to live the good life. and left. Now, it's amazing that he would trust, although they were the same race, 
because the Hamites and the Shemites are are kin, they're kindred, okay? So uh, whether he realized that, he probably did realize that, okay? They, they would have known that. However, their culture was totally different. And uh, the Egyptians, the, the Hamites of Egypt, uh, they practiced a lot of sun worship and various uh, pagan things. But at this point in time, it probably wasn't all that horrible. It got it got worse, you know, with, with the persecution of the Israelites under, uh, I, f- I forget which pharaoh that was. So uh, this was probably the heyday of positive relations between the Hamites and Shemites, and it degenerated after Joseph died. Back to you. <clears throat> Verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master would not what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither has he kept. Okay, Uh, you could cast uh, cast Rock Hudson as Joseph, and (laughs) uh, and uh, oh, who was the woman who played? uh, Oh, she played Cleopatra. I can't think of her name now because I'm not a movie buff. But uh, yeah, really famous actress uh, uh, that uh, played all these big roles in. blockbuster budget movies, right? So, I mean, uh, uh, nobody's made a movie about Joseph. This is this is uh, uh, the uh, a woman lusting after a foreigner, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, this, uh, this would make a tremendous soap opera plot, right? But they don't because they don't want anybody to have any interest in the Bible. Right? You know, the entire Bible would make a fantastic movie. Oh, absolutely. Every single chapter. All of it. Yeah. Especially the story of Jacob and Esau. That's the one story they cannot possibly want to to be publicized because the Jews don't want to be identified with Esau. Mm -hmm. So we have, there's so much ammunition here. If if we could just have the budget uh, to make a movie about Joseph and uh, what he had to go through. And and this is a, a real lesson because we only have a couple minutes left. All of this gospel of personal prosperity and uh, the, the rapture and that you don't have to go through tribulation as an Israelite or as a Christian. The Bible does not say anything like that. It tells us over and over, we will have tribulation and we will be tried by the refiner's fire. You will not have an easy life. You just won't. Uh, that's why Christianity is the most difficult religion to follow. But if you're one of these country club Christians, like many of these you know, uh, executives, high-ranking executives of Ford, General Motors, and other corporations who are our people, and they're the people who make these corporations work, right? Uh, look at the hell they have to go through uh to just stay in their job somebody's trying to get them knocked out because of false allegations you will have tribulation joseph mm-hmm. had all kinds of tribulation right uh moses had all kinds of tribulation jesus had all kinds of tribulation there there there's not an easy life for for a christian you have to demonstrate that you have a strong will and can take the heat and can take the criticism etc cetera, etc cetera. that's how you earn your crown it's not given to you as these false preachers of the, you know, like Joel Osteen, who is also Jewish, by the way, and others preached this gospel of an easy, easy path to the kingdom. And it if it were work. easy, everyone would do it. That's right. And it's not easy. All right, folks. Yeah, let's let's pick this up again next week where we go into greater de- detail about Joseph, and if any, anybody out there has a few million bucks, I'll write the screenplay, <laughs> you produce the movie, <laughs> all right? Joseph, I can see it on the big screen now. All right, Dan, great job. Wonderful all show right, today. Thank you. Enjoyed Take care. It. Yahweh bless everybody.